Well, I, I think I said it earlier. I'm excited to be in church this morning and, and excited that some of you have joined us here in the sanctuary and there's others there online and you're worshiping at home in the living room or maybe uh, you've taken a break to worship with us. And so we just want to welcome everybody uh, to this experience. But I'm just excited to see some of your faces and uh, as Lauren mentioned, your eyes even and just to be able to. Uh, just to know that we are on the same page. Amen. And so welcome. Um, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, life right now, it seems like it's just kind of knocked me sideways. I mean, for a pastor, I was sharing with somebody that, you know, I think I've been in front of a congregation since I've almost my entire adult life since I was 19 years of age. And so for three months, not being able to meet with the congregation has just kind of unseated me. In fact, I came across this picture. I'm just having fun. But I have this picture. I think they have it back there. And uh, there's a caption that goes along with this picture. And the caption reads, hey, let's go tubing. Somebody grab the cat. <laughs> and I don't know if you can see. Of course, you got the little child who's about two foot off the tube there. And you see the cat there on the left-hand side. I mean, just kind of uh, spread eagle like this. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes, you know, life makes us feel this way that we're just completely unseated because of all the craziness that's going on and COVID and all. Anybody else feel like that at all? I mean, I, I believe, you know, for me, it, it has been a challenge on many levels, just like you. Uh, it's also a challenge, you know, in regards to our spiritual life, in regards to spiritual warfare. And I understand that there's some of us may not believe that there are evil forces in our world. But um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't want to argue that point, but I would want to say that the Bible speaks about the fact that God does have an enemy and the enemy of God is Satan. And what the scripture tells us is that if, if he is the enemy of God, that he is also the enemy of the children of God. In fact, we go to First Peter in chapter 5, I believe it is, around verse 9. It says that we are to be vigilant and that we are to be careful in, in so many words. That we are to be vigilant and careful and we are to be watchful because the enemy is like a, a roaming lion that's roaming to and for, forth or back and forth seeking someone to devour. The enemy wants to devour us and he wants to destroy us. And we see that in the word of God. In fact, we go to Ephesians. That's our passage this morning. We're going to Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have God. God's word. Let's go there together this morning. We go to Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to pick up around verse eighteen. And and uh, I have there in the bulletin or on the bulletin verse twenty-four, but I don't think we're going to go that far. We're just probably going to go down to about verse twenty at this point. But the scripture, as we read the book of Ephesians, it says that that the enemy is roaming to and for you know back and forth like a roaming lion, seeking to devour us, and that in fact that he has his wiles and his schemes or diabolical schemes that he wants to use to entrap us or ensnare us. Now this comes from the world of fishing and hunting, and I do like to fish and hunt. But in the world of fishing and hunting, you know, part of the the, the procedure is that you you have bait, you have something to ensnare the prey that moves the prey out of its safe home or safe keeping and that bait is what ensnares us it is something that is enticing and you see that's what Paul uses kind of as an example that that's exactly what the enemy does that he wants to entice us that he wants to bait us he wants to ensnare us now what Paul is getting at what he's driving at is that God has provided for us every tool that is necessary to avoid the enemy's schemes and his wiles. 
That's what Paul is trying to show us. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, a little bit before the text that I'm presenting this morning, he talks about, uh, he talks about the armor of God. You remember that? You know, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of faith. You remember that? And so he talks about the armor of God, but then I love what he does as we look at our text this morning. It kind of draws all that together, and he says, but here is not another weapon, but here is a, prov- uh, a provision that brings all of the armor of God together. Together, and that provision is the provision of prayer. And I want to focus on prayer for the next few weeks. In fact, uh, in, in the next three weeks, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the provision of prayer as Paul would would see it. And in fact, the first week, we're going to you know just deal with one of the truths that I want to lift up out to you. And the next week, we're going to talk about another truth. And then I'm going to be gone for a week uh, to see our grandchild. We have to take time to see our grandchild, little Riley. So we're going to go visit her. And I think Pastor Jeff is going to be speaking, preaching for me. And then. And we'll come back and we'll look at tooth number three. But let's let's begin with the looking at Ephesians chapter six, beginning there in verse 18. Ephesians chapter six, looking at verse 18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Now notice the beginning part of this is saying pray in the spirit, to pray in the spirit. So the confidence that we have in approaching the throne of God is not in our own wisdom, not in in our ability to say an eloquent prayer, but the fact is that we are praying in the spirit and then he kind of gives us the cause and the purpose which is, you know, to reveal the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that there in verse 19. Then go back to verse 20 for which I am an ambassador in chains pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should and then he gives us final greetings there in verse 24 and it's really a blessing when he writes grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love let us pray precious father in heaven I thank you for the word today I thank you Lord that uh That, Lord, that you love us and that you're listening even this morning as we begin this conversation, this study about, you know, the idea of prayer and what it is and and how we're to participate in. So, Father, I just pray that you would just speak to every heart this morning. Challenge us, Lord, as we think about our own spiritual journey and that, Father, that maybe there would be revelation this morning in your word. And there always is. I know that. And so, Father, I just pray anointing and blessing upon this word as we read it. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. So again, there are three truths that I want to kind of lift up and out to you um, in this passage here. And so this morning, the first one that we're going to be looking at is the concept of prayer. Say that with me out loud. The concept of prayer. Now, obviously, this passage is, I mean, it's about prayer. There's no question about that. Verses 18 down through verse 24 there. And specifically, it's about how we are to utilize prayer in our daily lives in the context of spiritual warfare. I mean, because that's what we started out talking about, the fact that the enemy is roaming to and fro, you know, back and forth, you know, this world seeking somebody to devour and he wants to entice us, he wants to ensnare us. And so there is such a thing as spiritual warfare or a spiritual battle. 
And if the promises, as Paul gives us, that God gives us everything that we need, every tool that we need to be able to deal with the spiritual warfare, then we realize that one big tool or one big way to deal with the, the challenges that we face spiritually is through the provision of prayer. So, so how do we define that? Well, let's begin by looking at the dictionary. The dictionary defines prayer as, quote, a request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. So I guess in general terms, this means that, that we are presenting general requests to God according to this, this definition, this dictionary definition. But I think in even more simple terms, when we say what is prayer, it is this. It is simply talking to God. It is simply, you know, speaking or talking to God. I've had uh, several people in my lifetime say, you know, well, pastor, I don't pray very often because I don't know how to pray. Or, you know, what, what are some keys? You know, how do I understand prayer or something like that? When in reality, when we define it and we understand it, what God would want it to be, what the scripture defines it as, is that it is simply talking to God. That is what prayer is. I, I love some of the other definitions I came across. Uh, one other person defines prayer as this. It is the breath of, an, of a, a redeemed soul excelling its needs and its worship toward God. I love that. Listen to that. The breath of a redeemed soul. I mean, that's so natural sound, almost organic, that it's just our breath that we are excelling, you know, who we are. And we're talking about the things that we need as we talk to our Father who is our creator. Amen. And then we go to another definition by Martin Luther. In his mind, he speaks about prayer this way. He says, prayer is to be a Christian, or he makes this statement, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. (laughs) Right? Amen. It makes a lot of sense. And then another quote I came across, Mahatma Gandhi, who was not a Christian but a Hindu, who prayed to his God, said this about prayer. Prayer is not asking. It is a longing of the soul. It is daily admission of one's weakness. It is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words Without heart. Now, obviously, we understand that he was wrong in regards to praying to gods because we are theists, right? We believe in one God. But there are some truths that we can, you know, get gleaned from this this quote that, that Gandhi gives us that it is a very reflective and thoughtful act when we pray. And and of course, obviously, the idea is anytime we ten, turn our attention toward God and anytime we speak to him that we are praying because why prayer is talking with God. And so let's think about that for a moment. I mean, how do we pray or or when should we pray? And I think the scripture gives us some direction on that. In fact, the idea ideas before I'm done today, done today is that we would get, you know, a feeling for how we can pray. In fact, as we look at the word of God, we realize that we can pray in many different ways. We can pray in private. We can pray in public. We can pray with a loud voice. We can we can pray, you know, with a whisper, you know, sometimes we can pray in silence. We we can you know, pray, um, you know, by ourselves or with a friend. We, we can pray, you know, uh, in, in kind of a spontaneous way or we can pray extemporaneously as the Holy Spirit is coming down upon us. We can just begin to say, Father in heaven, you know, I love you and I worship you. And we extemporaneously respond to God in our spirit with his spirit as we are talking with him. 
How do we pray? We, we can pray in all kinds of positions, right? We can pray while we're kneeling. We can pray while we're standing. We can pray while we sit. We can pray while we're laying down. We can pray while, you know, we're maybe going to sleep. I've done that. I've prayed as I'm going to sleep and as I'm falling asleep, I'm just whispering my heart to God and I'm talking to God about the things that I'm concerned about. We can pray in all different kind of positions and postures. We can pray. I mean, it's so broad. We can pray at home. We can pray at church. We can pray at work. We can pray on vacation. We can pray on the road. We can pray driving the car. We can pray, you know, riding on a plane. We can pray in so many different ways. We can pray with our eyes open, our eyes closed. We can pray with our hands up and our head down. We can pray with our head up and our hands down. We can pray all different kinds of ways. You see, the key is that God wants to hear from his children and he wants us to pray and talk with him. In fact, Jesus, while he was here, he prayed standing, he prayed sitting, he prayed kneeling. We know this, and we know that Jesus Christ prayed when he was hanging on the cross. In fact, you might remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he was praying there, that he prayed so intensely that he sweat drops of blood. Because he was talking with the Father. And so we recognize the very model of Jesus himself, that, that he was one who prayed. And so we are called to pray. It is simply talking with God. Well, when do we pray? This is what prayer is about. It's it's about the idea of praying to God who's listening. I mean, that's the idea. And so what Paul writes about here, he says says that we are to pray always or we are to be praying always. In fact, the word always carries the idea of all times and all seasons. At at every opportunity, in every circumstance, that we, we pray and talk to the Father. I love it. I want to tell you this morning, I love it when my phone rings, my phone's down there, and my phone rings, and I see that it's one of our children. It's Abram or Courtney or Remington. And when one of my children are are calling us or calling me, man, all of a sudden my heart leaps. Because I get to hear from one of my kids and it might not be anything very important at all, but they're calling me and just to be able to say hi to one of my children, that will never change. I'm excited when my children call me and I cannot help but think that it's the same thing. It's the same way with our father in heaven. That he's excited that his heart leaps when we pray and we talk with him and he calls us to do that. And so when do we do that? I mean, when do we pray? In fact, we look in, in Scripture and we learn that Jews in Paul's day had several set times per day when they prayed. In fact, we all know already that Muslims today in this modern day, they still pray how many times a day? They pray five times a day. And, and then we come back to Scripture and we realize that Christianity also has a specific set time for prayer. Did you know that? And in fact, it tells us many times in the word of God when we are to pray a specific set time to pray. You know what that time is? It's always <laughs> that we're to always be praying and always talking to God. In fact, in scripture, we go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 and we read there rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing in constant In what? Constant prayer. In faithful prayer, we're talking to God. And then we go to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, and we read in the very beginning of the verse, continue in prayer and watch in in the same with thanksgiving. And so, why? We have a thankful heart because we're confident that God has heard our prayer. So we're continuing in prayer. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, we read, what is that one? We cannot leave that one out. It is pray without ceasing. 
It is to pray without ceasing. So I guess what I'm saying is there is no time when we do not need to pray. There's no time when we cannot pray. There's no time when God will not be listening, when he will not hear so that we are praying always. Amen. We're praying always. Now, praying always does not mean that we're we're formal in prayer. Praying always does not mean that we wear a garb of prayer like the Pharisees. And we're so formally praying all the time that we have no time to be social with other people. And we're being rude to others. You see, that is not what this is about when we say that we're praying always. Because God calls us to pray unceasingly. And we're to pray and to worship the Lord all the time in our whole spirit and our whole life. It's not to be so formal that that we're leaving the rest of the world out. It does not mean that. It does not mean that we follow ritualistic prayers. That are from books and we memorize all the prayers and, and that we're counting beads or we're, you know, reciting memorized prayers and going through these rituals. And in fact, Matthew chapter six and verse seven saying, do not do this as these Pharisees do in those, you know, those rituals. But it does mean that we are constantly aware of God and his presence. It does mean that the soul is ever reaching up to God. And it does mean that we are leaning into God when there is heartache. It does mean that we are embracing God when there is tribulation in life. And we're walking through the darkest valley. And I don't know what you're going through right now. But it means that we are reaching to God in those moments in the experience and the discipline of prayer. And we're talking with our Father in heaven as we're going through those troubled times. It means that in every experience of life, we are talking with God. It means that when we're being tempted... We are bringing that temptation to the Lord and saying, Lord, I am being tempted and I need your help right now. It means when we see sin, we pray about the sin that God will abolish the sin. And when we see wickedness in a world, it means that we're praying against wickedness and that wickedness will be abolished. It means that we are praying in such a way that that we are thankful when we're happy. And we are mournful when there's a, a, a reason to be mournful as we are praying to the Lord. That's what prayer is. It means that we are praying for those who are lost that do not know Jesus Christ yet. And we're praying for those that maybe are going to meet Jesus Christ. And we're concerned about that. And we want to pray for those that, that are, are, are maybe open to receiving Jesus Christ or beginning to walk with Jesus Christ. So what is prayer? Prayer is something that when we live this way, I mean a life of prayer, that our life becomes an ever ascending prayer to the Lord. I mean, think about that, that our life becomes an ever ascending prayer to the Lord, that as we are living life and we're breathing life out, that we are in this mindset of prayer at every moment of every day. And God is receiving that because he loves us and he wants relationship with us. I think of two parables that probably kind of help address this matter. I mean, how are we to pray? We talk about that and when we are to pray. We look at two different parables. One's in Luke chapter 11. If you have God's word, I invite you to turn there. We go to Luke chapter 11 and then we're going to go to Luke chapter 18. And you can kind of, you know, flip over there after looking at verse 11 or excuse me, chapter 11. So we go to Luke chapter 11, looking at verse 9. And the first parable is the parable of uh, the persistent man who continued to ask for bread from his neighbor in the middle of the night. You might remember that parable. And the man was persistent. He kept knocking and kept asking. And he was so persistent that finally, of course, the man awakens. You imagine the lights being turned on or the oil lamp being lit or however it happened back then. And he just was so persistent in his prayer and asking that finally the man granted his request. And at the end, Jesus said this. 
He said, and I quote, And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And then we go to the second parable in Luke chapter 18. Uh, just jump over there to chapter 18 of Luke. And then you look at verse 7 there, around verse 7. And in the second parable, Jesus spoke about a widow who petitioned a judge about her need. And she continued to aggravate the judge until he gave in and granted her request. And so in, in paraphrase, I mean really paraphrasing, the essence of Jesus' response at the end of this parable is that he was saying, basically, your prayer is the evidence of your faith. That your prayer is the evidence of your faith. And the more you pray and the more that you request, and whether it's night or day, it is the evidence of the faith that you have in Christ. And so I guess the challenge for us this morning, church, is how is the evidence of our faith doing? I mean, how is the evidence of our prayer life? I mean, how is that going? And, and I love the fact that we worship and whether we gather at home around the living room TV and we're watching on, on, you know, on screen or we're gathering here in the sanctuary and we love to worship God and I commend that. But you see, part of the spiritual journey and part of the process is that we are communicating and we are talking with our Father in heaven and that's called prayer. <laughs> That we are talking with God and we're spending time in prayer because you see prayer and how often we are praying and the depth of our prayer has everything to do with the evidence of the faith that we have in our father in heaven. I think for both of these parables, the essence of 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 these stories or the essence of the story is that God answers the specific and persistent prayers of his people. God answers the specific and the persistent prayers of his people. So, so here's how I'd like to summarize it. It is always too soon to stop praying. <laughs> I mean, if I had one, one topical sentence for this morning, that would be it. It's always too soon to stop praying. And I don't know what you've been praying about or what you've been working on or you're concerned about. But let me say this again. It's, it's too soon to stop praying. Because your Father in Heaven wants to hear. He wants to respond. He wants to be a part of your life. And I believe that. I I think one of the most pervasive things on the subject of prayer are the questions that we have. When we talk about prayer. Like, for example, what does God, you know, why does God answer some prayers and not others? You know, why is it that God is answering this prayer over here, but he's not answering this prayer here? And it seems so unfair because, you know, it looks like God's always answering their prayer. So why is it that God answers some prayers, but he doesn't answer this really deep, heartfelt prayer that I'm concerned about here? I I praise the Lord this week. I think it was about Thursday that I was uh, getting together the bags that we had created as a congregation that had what we call newcomer gifts. Uh, we had put together as a church some newcomer gifts for people that were moving into the Grantville area and all these brand new apartment complexes. And we decided we wanted to provide for them just a nice gift, a, a grocery bag and some coupons and some information about the local businesses. And I think there was a coupon for a free large pizza for each person that was moving into the area. And, and so we put some work into this. And because of COVID, we, we kind of set it aside. Well, this week we decided to pick it up and, and just engage again our community. And so I had about five or six of those big bags.
bags full of these these welcome gifts in my truck and I was leaving to go, you know, approach some of the apartment complexes and ask them to hand out these gifts to the people that were signing new leases. Well, anyways, as I was leaving the church, I think I yelled out something about prayer. But as I was leaving the church, I prayed. I said, dear Lord, Lord, just open the doors of these new apartment complexes that they might be willing to participate in giving out these new gifts for these new move-ins. And so I just kind of prayed that prayer. I breathed that prayer. Lord, please open the doors. Well, you need to know before COVID-19, I had maybe about 50% response. I had gone and visited some of these new complexes, and only about 50% of the, the, the doors were open. That They said, yeah, that'd be great. We'll participate. And then about 50% just weren't open to the idea. So anyhow, I pray this prayer that the doors will come open. And lo and behold, that day, folks... Almost 100% of the doors I went into and the complexes that I approached, almost 100% of them said, sure, leave your welcome gifts here. We'd be happy to give them away. Except one apartment complex, the Harlow, which is a brand new one being built just off of Friars Road. Uh, they said, you know what? Leave a bag here. And we'll put on the agenda of our staff meeting and we'll let you know. So I got a little bit of pushback. But then she said, but tell you what, if we can't give them out through the office, we'll let you know who's moving in. You can come deliver it personally. (laughs) And so that would even be better. And so here God answers this prayer 100 percent. And I'm thinking, praise the Lord for that answered prayer. But then we turn around and we wonder, why is God not answering my prayer about my mom? Or why is he not answering the prayer about my son? I mean, some really heartfelt concerns that that we have as individuals. And it seems like God answers some prayers and he doesn't you know, answer other prayers. Or another question that we might have is, are there prayers that God refuses to answer or God refuses to hear? I mean, interesting question. In fact, we go to the word of God and it kind of, you know, gives us some answers in regards to that question. Are there some prayers that God does not hear? Like, for example, in Ezekiel chapter eight and verse 18, it talks about the fact that God will not answer the prayers of those that are idol worshipers. If they're praying to idols, that God will not answer those prayers. And then we go to the book of James in chapter 1 around verses 6 and 7. And, 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 and James says, do not expect God to hear your prayer if, if, if you are doubting as you pray. In other words, he's saying believe in your prayer. Believe that God's going to answer your prayer. Because if you doubt, don't expect God to answer that prayer. And then we have another kind of a little bit more direction in Proverbs uh, 28 and Zechariah. And it talks about the fact that God answers prayers that are prayed according to his will. And if we are not praying according to God's will or we're praying against the law of God, that God will not hear or he turns a deaf ear towards those prayers that are against his will or against the law of God. So all of these questions, I believe, uh, deserve further attention. And next week, when we look at truth number two and we kind of pull that out and look at it, we're going to deal with some of these difficult challenges that we face when we talk about our own prayer life. Amen. But here's the key. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. I believe that. I know it. I've experienced it. My my wife and I, uh, about 14 years ago, we were trying to make a decision because we had received a call uh, from a church uh, in Tennessee, in fact, we were in a church that was doing really well. It was growing and God was blessing and people were finding Jesus as their savior. And we just really had a good assignment. And we were called to go, you know, visit this church and consider becoming their pastor. And we went to the church 
And the church, I mean, it was just a disaster zone. I mean, it was a little tiny facility. They had about 90 people that worshiped there. Um, some of parts of the building was falling apart. I mean, the air conditioning didn't work. It was 103 degrees the Sunday that we were there in the sanctuary because there's no air conditioning. And, uh, I mean, it was just really a, a difficult scenario. In fact, we called our parents back home and we said to our moms and dads, uh, because they lived in the state that we were living in at the time, and we said, no, we're not going. There's no way we're going to come to this church. But then that night as we went to the hotel room, <laughs> The Holy Spirit came down upon us and we felt this conviction that we needed to pray. And so we started to pray and we said, Lord, we need to hear your voice. And and probably because I was afraid of how God was going to answer the prayer, I said, Lord, I need you to give me three signs. (laughs) Three signs. So I kind of put out a fleece that God would, you know, answer, you know, these three signs. And the first sign was like a unanimous Vote and we got a unanimous vote. I can't remember what the second sign was, but the third sign is I wanted to hear from you, God. I, I, I need to hear from you. Well, we get on the plane to fly home. We still hadn't made a decision. God had given us two signs. We get on the plane to fly home. And this is before, this was pre 9-11. And so the security wasn't so tight. And so the door to the cockpit was open. And there was a young gal that was in the pilot seat. And she had kind of stood up. And I said hi to her. And I can't remember how it unfolded. But I told her I was a a private pilot. And and so she invited me in the cockpit and we started talking about the instruments and, and we never did talk about ministry. I never did tell her that I was a pastor. She didn't know that I was wrestling with the idea that I was in a thriving, growing church. And yet here's this, this broken down old church that was calling us and I didn't really want to go there, but I put out this fleece. I'm waiting to hear from God. Well, anyhow, I finished my visit with the, the captain and it was awesome being there in the cockpit of that 737. Well, anyhow, um, I had to go to my seat because they were getting ready to take off. And so I, I go to the seat and sit down. And of course, we buckle our, our seat belts and we get ready and the plane takes off. And about halfway home, maybe hour and a half into the flight, here I get this letter from the captain of the plane. And she had written this little letter about a page long and she had folded it up. And the stewardess, you know, delivered this letter to me. Again, the captain not knowing what I was going through or what I was thinking about or praying about. And I I read the letter as I opened it up. I read the letter and she made this statement. I don't remember anything else that the, the letter said, but she made this statement. She says, you know, sometimes... You know, to experience the better things in life, sometimes we have to take one step back before we can take two steps forward. (laughs) I felt the Holy Spirit hit me and the chills just began to run down my back because that was my third sign that God had spoken. That sometimes for me at that point, I needed to be willing to take a step back to see God work. And God answered my prayer. Here's what I'm saying. God answers prayer. Amen. And we're going to be focusing on that and try to study a little bit deeper on some of the challenging aspects of prayer next Sunday. So look forward to that. And I just want to invite you just to be thinking about it, especially this week. Let's let's pray. Let's just be praying, congregation, together. Amen. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you, God, for the chance that we have to pray. That, Lord, that you've created this way, this means by which we communicate with you, our creator. I'm just, Lord, this song just reminds us how big and how great you are, that you are the creator of this massive universe. But yet, Lord, you're so personal and intimate. You're so caring that you, you take time to hear our prayer. And so, Lord, we're just humbled by that. 
And so we just worship you and we want to talk with you and be with you. And Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for humankind. We pray, Father, that you would just help us as believers to be what you've called us to be for your glory. We thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for this moment we have. Thank you for the church that we have to worship you in. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. If you need to connect with us, go to missionas.org. Connect with us. Send a prayer request. We'll be happy to help you out. God bless you. You're dismissed.